Welcome to the June 8th edition of the PFF Forecast. I am recording live from a uh, house of a member of the syndicate. So you know it's going to be a special podcast. Um, We've got some fun stuff to talk about because we've got some bets that we're placing. um, So you can get ready to rock there. I also have a very strong take uh, about the Warriors-Celtics finals game tonight. So if you're listening to this live or not live or whatever you're listening to this, you'll probably know that I'm already wrong there. So that'll be very exciting. It's going to be a great show. We're also going to talk about some uh, player props for this season um, in terms of leaders in passing yards, leaders in rushing yards. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay, enough of me rambling. Let's rock. Eric, I am um, I am recording live from a friend of ours' uh, apartment in Southern California, a member of the syndicate. But the only condition upon which I could stay here uh, was that you have to, at some point during this podcast, bring Brett Favre uh, into the podcast. That's the Hello. only that's the only way I was able to even get a bed to sleep on the night. Uh, I kind of want to guess who it is because there are like friends of yours that like like our tweets and stuff. And, uh, but for now, I think what it would have been better if you could, if you were the one trying to guess who it was and I could just go, maybe after every one of them, right. That would have been, you know, the, the way to get Brett Favre in there naturally. Uh, Otherwise, uh, you know, we're left watching the Tucker Carlson show where he, uh, resides currently. That would be, that would be a rough podcast for everybody. Um, I think you could guess who this is. Um, I think it's probably our, honestly, the leader of the syndicate. This is someone that does not miss a show. Like I get, that's that's the type of person we're talking about right now. Okay. Um, so you you know this person, but you don't quite, I don't think you've met this person uh, actually in person. This is great podcasting, by the way. This mm-hmm. is tremendous. This is why This is tremendous podcasting. I will take the the balance of this of this uh, 45 minutes or so to, to remember or, or just to, to get to guess who it is. And I think I'm going to get it. Yeah. Thank God. By the way, um, do you, you, so you've had two things that you've, um, managed to figure out over the past week. One of them is how to cope with getting crushed in the WNBA. And the other is how to put a ring light into the proper, in the proper position. space. <laughs> when, I mean, I last logged, I- when I logged into zoom, the ring light was directly behind you. <laughs> It was, and and uh, yeah, it was it was great. You got a PhD um, in math, right? Not my, like my parents you know. did a, you know, like I, I I joked a couple times on air that today and and through meetings and stuff that I'm I was in my mom's basement. I'm actually in like the guest room now, which used to be at one point my room, um, growing up, and I was try and like I work, I'm gonna be here for the balance of like the next couple months, so I might as well get the things set up. So. Uh, I did a show last night and I didn't have it set up and it was, and it was dark and it was just like, I don't care, whatever. But for this, for this show, I got this thing set up. Uh, that shows people how much I care. I, I gotta say though, although I did go for a couple a mile run just before this, my hair is, you know, I did not get my hair cut to the specifications you did. Whoa, buckets. That's, that is, that is a, that is a well put together set of hair, George. 
I appreciate it. And you'd be happy to know I didn't even get a haircut. This is just me just oh, me doing my hair. Yeah. And I, I, I traveled today, I, you know, I'm just doing, I'm doing it big for, for you really. I want to impress yeah. everybody. I got to say, I put hymns in my hair or keeps. Oh, I good. think it's keeps or hymns. I can't remember which one. Uh, Both, you know, I, just I alternate. Safe. I tried, I, I, I alternate just like a good defense. I, a defense against hair loss. I, I, I throw numbers at the situation and then let the weakest link, uh, die off. I couldn't tell you the difference between hymns or keeps, to be honest with you. Um, although one appears to be less sexist than the other. Okay. Where would you like to start today? Because we have a couple of different, um, I think, uh, hypotheses that we are betting. And I, the people need to know. The people need to, to capitalize on these opportunities. Where, where do you want to start? Okay. I'm just, we're not going to, we're not going to, we, we've already, and I tweeted the link out to the podcast where we talked about the, the, the Cleveland quarterback. Mm. Um, but I, I just want to tell. Putting the dog in dog pound, to be honest. I, I, yeah. I'll, um, the but I do want to give the syndicate a a I, I want to give the syndicate something right now, mm-hmm. and it is put one unit on the Bengals and the and the Ravens to win the North, right? Um, if Cle- like I don't think the quarterback is going to play for them this year, right? And even if he does, is he that good? Um, you know. After one year off, Stefanski, you know, that offense is different than the one that he had in, in Houston. Again, two years ago, Pittsburgh's terrible, going to be terrible, I think. And so both of them, so if you go to our friends at DraftKings, it's two to one Bengals to win the division. Ravens are plus 210. So like, okay, you know, you can you can figure out like how how likely it is that Cleveland and Pittsburgh win the division and basically what the payoff is if you know what the mm-hmm. if you put two units down on one of the two and then you lose both if they win what's the likelihood that that is the case and all that kind of stuff um you know I, I'm I think right now it's all qualitative right all qualitative like we don't know what's going to happen but I've already done this and I think you should I I think that this is a sound way to, to operate I, um, I think the syndicate should move in Remember how it was the anyone but Mac Jones syndicate? Yeah. This, this is, is the, the anyone, anyone but, 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 but the Cleveland Browns syndicate. Yeah. And I would, t- you know, you mentioned the Steelers there. I'm going to bring the Steelers into this. We had a conversation um, about coaches, right? We were ranking coaches. And both of us think incredibly highly of Mike Tomlin for what he has gotten out of, you know, this team. They're not bereft of talent. But let me remind you that at that one point, this team, Okay. Now, granted, they were overrated in this, in this situation, but they were undefeated with Ben Roethlisberger through through was eleven games. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that we can you know we were right on them being a completely overvalued team at that point, but in a situation where look, the Bengals are going to have the dreaded lost in the Super Bowl hangover, the Ravens. You know, look, we're both bullish on the Ravens. They're plus 210, your third favorite. You know, the Bengals are plus 200. But if I'm going to take a team at 11 to 1, which is what the Steelers are right now, the makeup of that team that I want is with a coach like Mike Tomlin. Because if there's any weakness or any unluckiness that happens to the Bengals or the Ravens, 
they'll be in a position to capitalize because the, the Tomlin floor, which is, I think, what we've got to call it, is so high. And yeah. they're upgrading at quarterback. Like, Mitch Trubisky is going to be an upgraded quarterback um, for them simply because he can throw the ball more than five yards downfield. So um, I would actually, I'm not opposed to betting all three of them yeah, and just yeah, fading the Browns completely. You're getting 11 to 1 on the Steelers. I think this is also an instructive time, uh, you know, to talk about how, you know, it, it's not about who, it's about what the cost is, right? Like we've mm-hmm. never been big Steelers, you know, supporters here, but at 11 to 1, they might be worth at least a little bit of a sprink uh, on the on the, uh, the the division prop. I I'm not a big fan. Like I'm I'm more like look. I'm more than happy if if the Steelers win the division to lose two units on it. Like I, you know, whatever. Like I'll pay to see Mike Tomlin take that ratty ass team to the playoffs again. Um, well, while you pay for it, you can pay me for it, and I'll be taking my I'll be taking my winnings to uh, yeah. Las Vegas Cabana near you. Yeah. Um, okay, the next one, and both of these articles are on pff.com. Both of them have been published in the last uh, two days. Um, one is why NFL better should feel comfortable backing the 2022 Detroit Lions. Oh, I didn't know, I know you felt this way. I know we, we've talked about more. this. Um, the one thing that I found, and again, we've said this a lot of times, there's some nuggets in there. I, de- you know, I hope you know, folks will get a PFF Elite subscription and go ahead and pay for it. Um, one of the things that was kind of interesting is Jared Goff has never had a PFF grade above 52 in a pressured pocket. Now, I kind of find that to be extremely uh, weird given how oscillatory it is. And for Goff, like in a, in a strange way, you know, his clean pocket grade, 89.5 in 2017, 93.6 in 2018, 83.4 in 2019, 88.2 in 2020. 2021, it was 70.5. Now, that drop-off, is that Goff getting worse? Because the 88.2 clean pocket grade in 2020 is exactly what Sean McVay decided he had to piece out from, right? Basically, his third highest grade in, uh, season from a clean pocket. I, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to attribute the drop-off in clean pocket grade to the fact that they didn't have great receivers last year and, mm-hmm. um, and Goff was injured a lot. So he faced pressure 33% of the time. In 2020, he faced it 31. So that's 2% difference. Note, Taylor Decker didn't play a lot of the season. Frank Ragnall played four games. You add them to the mix. Um, you know, Halapoti Vitae is in there as well. Like, I think you can get that pressure rate closer to 30 than in previous years. Um, so, you know, and if he's grades like, let's say, a 50 in pressured pocket rate, but he gets the clean pocket grade of like 80, let's say. Let's just split the difference. Like, this is a much different quarterback than, than we, were, we were used to before. And I think that that's going to do wonders. And furthermore, I think that the schedule, this is where we see like knockoff effects on things. Not having to play a good schedule. Basically, all of their games, let me look exactly. Their games are the second easiest in the NFL. Every team that they face, on average, is nine-tenths of a point worse than the average team on a neutral field, on average. Only the New York Giants have an easier schedule. They don't play a game after 1 p.m. Eastern as well, right? So, like, you're going to miss some cold night games and all. But also just game, like, you're going to have a, like, a, and they never leave the central or eastern time zone. 
I, it, to me, it just makes a lot of sense in this number. And this is where I want to get to lastly, because everybody knows we're on, we're on the lines. But I want to co- sort of go through a little bit of the gambling parlance as well, because I think that there is some teachable moments here. So on Caesars, at least as, when I printed this, there was an over six at minus 135. FanDuel was the best number uh, of the legal books I could see at six and a half, which is minus 105. And we, you know, we said like a heuristic is about 50 cents, 50 cents per win, right? Mm-hmm. So in theory, or for, per half win. So over six should have been like minus 155 on Caesars. So you're getting minus 135. And we actually think that that one has, what is it? Minus 135 um, has an edge of about 10.1%. Um, the 10.1% for over six and a half. Um yeah, so anyway, um anyway, yeah, there there's there's a little bit of a of a typo in there. But like you you know, sort of go read that and, and sort of talk about like it, where it talks about sort of like how much um you know break even versus what you end up getting uh you know in terms of an edge there. I see I mean I think the schedule point is really sound. I the Jared Goff thing under pressure he's been bad there his entire career um and i'm not i don't for me it's less about that as it is i just the opportunity for him to be better from a clean pocket is massive and i feel good about him over the course of his career actually having done that um last year by far his lowest graded season right Mm -hmm. and that shouldn't surprise anyone He's had a great over 70 in all but his rookie season, which was with the with Jeff Fisher. But he was, you know, 28th in PFF grade from a clean pocket last year. And, you know, th- it's just been something where if you dig into this a little bit more, you know, from a clean pocket, you know, this is kind of crazy. Just 2% of his throws were big time throws. And that's by far the lowest in his career again since his rookie year. The NFL average is 3.8. I'm not saying that Jared Goff is an average NFL quarterback, but I also think he's way closer to average than, yeah. and, and he might actually be average. <laughs> um, like I could see Jared Goff, you know, at some point in his career being Kirk Cousins, um, where I would expect that to regress positively, especially what we've seen from him. And to your point, you in order to have, we talk about this a lot, right? So he was 31st in the NFL in positively graded throw rate. And we see that positively graded throw rate along with big time throw rate is something that is not stable from year to year, whereas negatively graded play rate is. Now, he was dead on average in negatively graded play rate. What does it take for you to be a plus in, in, in the positive category? It takes opportunity. Like the Tom Brady with receivers that can't get open is only going to do so much. Tom right. Brady with an awful offensive line is only going to do so much. To me, with that bad schedule, the improved uh, – complimentary pieces around him this is this is where i see that that juice kind of coming in so um yeah i i like that i like that quite a bit yeah the 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 point about the schedule is that like if you're playing weaker teams you're going to be in fewer long yardage situations on third down you're going to be in fewer situations where you're trailing you're going to be in fewer situations um needing a touchdown at the end of the game or half and so the pressure rate that you're going to get is going to be lower 
Um, okay, so I, I got I got to get this right though. Um, so over six, right? So minus one thirty five. That requires a fifty seven point four non push uh, uh, probability of non push events going over. We in our simulation have them going seven wins or more sixty two point seven percent of the time. However, we have them winning exactly six games twenty three point four percent of the time. So. Um, if you, or no, sorry, under six, 23.4% of the time. So the push probability, if you take that out, we act, we have it going over a non-push event 72.8% of the time, which is, you know, basically a 15% edge, which is different than you over six and a half means you need to take the 62.7 that they go seven or over and six is a loss. Um, break even for minus 105 is 51.2%. Um, so that is, represents only like an 11.5 percentage. So, it, like I said, the 50 cents per win is is really a good heuristic, and it sort of shows up here in, in which one uh, of these of these wagers you would prefer. I'm glad you got that figured out. I I, I don't. If, you know, some people you come in have, and they they get mad when you know. If you couldn't yeah. have gotten that figured out and you had the the ring light snafu, that would have been tough. It would have been rough. Before the we next, get on to the next one, uh, reminder that it's June. Okay. It feels like it's a long ways away from football starting. It's not. Uh, 92 days today. Um, and fantasy football is going to get started even sooner. But a lot of you play fantasy, and that means you have to deal with waivers and trades and start set decisions and all that crap. Go play best ball. Best ball at Underdog Fantasy is the best way to prepare for the NFL season because you see how people are drafting in money leagues. But you also don't have to do any of that in-season management crap, and you can win a ton of money. $10 million in total cash prizes for best ball mania at underdog fantasy. By the way, the guy that won it, or it might've been a gal at, that won it last year drafting in June. So the time is now. In fact, I believe that's a trend zone. Um, so you'll want to make sure you draft in June. You should not draft in any other month. And here's the thing. If you use promo code PFF, when you sign up at underdog, your deposit will be matched up to hundred dollars. And if you use promo code PFF, when you play 10 of those dollars, you will get a free PFF subscription. That is a ridiculous deal. I continue to tell you this every single week. If you haven't used it yet, the time is now. Promo code PFF at underdogfantasy.com or download the app. The app is great. Best ball is a fantastic format for you to play. So go make that happen. Okay, next bet that you want to talk about. Yeah, so the other one we talked about at, at, briefly is the Dolphins. Um, we put this up here. Um Nine, there, there's a couple bets that are on the board. Uh, DraftKings has them at nine, um, and it's minus 125 to the under. Um, whereas uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the uh, FanDuel has them at eight and a half with plus 110 to the under. So, um, you know, in this particular one, um, you know, again, with the 50 cents per half win, um, this is one where we have them going eight or fewer wins. Fifty-four point six percent of the time, um, plus one ten. Uh, you know, it has a you know a forty-seven point six percent break-even probability. So there, you're getting about seven percent, um, and it's a little bit, uh, I believe, um, a little bit smaller if for the nine under minus one twenty-five. Because again, I think that this team for the Dolphins, you know, again, we talked about their schedule last year, but for the Dolphins, I think the biggest thing is there is like a fat tail of that. And somebody asked on Twitter, a fat tail means, you know, basically a distribution where the extremes have a higher probability than what they would have in a normal distribution. So in a normal distribution, um, basically any event that's outside of three 
three standard deviations has like a what 99.7 so a 0.3 percent chance of happening mm -hmm. um a fatter tail uh means that like three three standard deviation events they don't happen very often but they happen more frequently um and and that you know that's something that folks learned during the last you know uh, during the 2008 housing crisis, which was, you know, when they were using the Black-Scholes equation and all the, the normal, normality assumptions were a lot oftentimes violated by the correlations that, uh, you know, let's say, you know, your house, you, know, you, you go um, foreclose on your house. Like there's, there's a ton of math that says like, if a bunch of things are independent, then their distribution becomes normal. The sum of their distribution becomes normal. But obviously like if you go, it, you know, a bunch of people don't get foreclosed on independently, right? Like a plan mm -hmm. goes out of out of business. Yeah. And so you get foreclosed on, your neighbor gets foreclosed on, so on and so forth. And so there were a bunch of assumptions that were like fat tail events that people were pricing at much lower rates of happening because they were assuming a thin tail. Uh, if they've assumed a fat tail, then some of the payoffs on these like, you know, shorting that, that kind of those situations uh, would not have been as big. Um, so I, I think that like, the Dolphins have a decent opportunity to win a lot of games. I just think on average, they're not going to win nine or more games. And I guess the the interesting thing here is, uh, is certainly, I mean, it all comes down to Tua, right? So let me ask you this question. If you put, who is the worst quarterback that you could put on the Dolphins where you would bet over at this price? Teddy Bridgewater. And that's why I asked that question, right? <laughs> so he's their backup, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I knew you were going to answer with that question, with that response. And so, you know, I guess, do you think that Mike, McDan Mike McDaniel in his first year does not want to come out here with all of the weapons that they've added and, you know, be like, all of a sudden go, oh yeah, this guy isn't an offensive wizard. So how quick is the hook going to be? I Yeah. You know, it can't be something where they're going to sit there and lose with Tua when they have all this talent on their team, and there's no excuse right. for him not to be really good. But how many of those games can they can they afford to lose and still go over early? That's a, that, that's a good question. I mean, my I think the answer would be like three or four, right? Yeah. But if they do that, then he's out of there. So, I mean, let's look at the Dolphins' schedule because I think not to to pull a, a Bill Simmons where you just read the schedule and, and yeah, right no one wins. Yeah, no one has a clue what the hell's going on. But um it you know, it knowing where they're at at the beginning of the season and how you know it, how you expect them to react, I think is interesting. And this is there's a reason to bring this up because here are their first four opponents. And I believe you called this out on the last podcast, but it bears looking at again. It is at home versus New England at Baltimore, uh, home versus Buffalo, at Cincinnati. Tua being Tua from last year is 0-4, right? Mm -hmm. Who do they then play? They play the Jets. Now, you could make an argument and say, oh yeah, they play the Jets, and that means that um, they're going to play the Jets and they're going to keep Tua in to see if he can play well against the Jets. On the other end of things... If two is really bad and they go 0-4, the Jets is the perfect team to bring Teddy Bridgewater in to play against. And you go, okay, we've got this thing back on track. Here's their schedule after that first four. Jets, Vikings, Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns, who knows who the quarterback for the Browns uh, will be, mm -hmm. Texans, 
Niners, Chargers, Bills, Packers, Patriots, Jets. So that middle part of the season, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. And you could make an argument that all seven of those games are against bottom half to, to middle of the, the of the league teams. So, you know, they're probably not going to go seven and zero there. They then close with Chargers, Bills, Packers, Patriots, Jets. So I, I think it's a good point, right? Where I mean, I'm kind of making the argument, I guess, for you after trying all, to push against yeah. it, right? Which is like, that's tough. They're going to have to have some wins against some some really good teams, either with Tua or when he gets canned, for them to to get past nine wins. Not you know, not to push it, but to actually get past it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that helps with the with the betting as well here. Um, here's a stat that I put in the article that I find really interesting, and this maybe plays to either to the overrating of Mike McDaniel or the or the underrating of Mike McDaniel. Last year on passes between of depths between 10 and 19 yards, Jimmy Garoppolo had a 107.4 NFL passer rating, 12.3 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He had two big time throws and 15 turnover worthy plays in that mm-hmm. area. A 107. So if that offense, you know, whomever we're giving the credit for, and we're going to, and I know that Herms Meyer and Cole, you know, talked about how they didn't think that, that uh, Shanahan was a top 10 coach in the league, which I think it, you know, has some validity as far as, you know, some of the extra stuff, but on the field, the guy calls great plays. If you could turn two big time throws and 15 turnover with the plays into a 107.4 passer rating, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. I look at Tua in that same range, 7.8 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, six picks, two big time throws, nine turnover worthy plays, but only for a NFL passer rating of 68.6. So like, you know, Shanahan's offense wasn't exactly working with a great player. And yet like they were able to produce production that I think we're all looking at and saying, yeah, you can live with that production in the NFL. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the leaky thing. And and to me, I, you know, when I think about Teddy Bridgewater, the problem I have, and, you know, if I'm thinking about the, again, the fat tail for this team, if you put in Bridgewater, you're not winning anything, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting to nine wins, which, you know, I, I think Dolphins, the Dolphins can Brian Flores because nine wins and no playoff berth and no wins against great teams is not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, but I, that, that's the stick. That's the thing the, the, so the two sticky things for me are, can Tua be, can you get better production out of Tua in the 10 to 19 range, even if he doesn't improve answer could be yes. It depends upon how much Mike McDaniel has learned from Kyle Shanahan to be quite frank. Right. And then the other question is, can you, if Bridgewater comes in, do they just squeak it out to nine wins and nine kind of meaningless bullshit wins, but um, not the, but, but, you know, your bet doesn't care how authentic those wins were. I, it's very interesting. And there's one of the things I keep coming back to is the comparison between Tua coming out of college and, you know, who does he remind you of? And you heard Jimmy G a lot. And I do think there's some really interesting comparisons there where like Tua oftentimes does the patented Jimmy G where he throws a pass and it goes right to a linebacker and you go, what the hell, you know? Um, At the same time, we may be undervaluing 
both the way that the Niners are constructed to take advantage of um, Jimmy G's abilities and to a certain extent, maybe some of Jimmy G's abilities because of how great Kyle Shanahan is. Yeah. All of those things are, you know, to, to kind of point out that it's not just turning a garbage quarterback into a good quarterback. It is all the other pieces that are required to do that. Now, it would stand a reason that what the um, Dolphins have with a guy like Jalen Waddell and a guy like Tyreek Hill and, and Mike Gusecki should, you know, should materialize into making that offense, you know, good. But there's some things that they don't have. The Niners have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Um, that is an important piece to this whole thing. And Jimmy G, say what you will, at least we know that he can execute what Kyle Shannon is asking him to do. That is not necessarily something that we should have faith in Tua doing right from the get-go. And to be clear, not necessarily from Teddy Bridgewater either. Um, you know, So I, I do think it's a big question mark. But I, looking at their schedule and thinking through kind of the paths that it would take for them to eclipse nine wins. In order, you know, what do you have to believe? I think this is a good phrase for a lot of these. Like, what do you have to believe to bet over here? You have to believe that Tua, Tua and that offense are beating, uh, you know, probably three to four top seven teams. Like, like yeah. you know, and that I think helps, that has helped me uh, decide to put another unit on this bet because, right? So like that, th th this is, I think this is a really good way for us to kind of a heuristic for us here. New England, Baltimore, Buffalo, Cincinnati, um, San Francisco, uh, Chargers, Bills, Packers, Patriots again. I think that's nine games. Those are nine games. All those teams are top 10 teams. Yeah. So, right? So if they, if they win all of their other games... You know, and that's probably not going to happen. You know, they've got to win three, probably. Um, they got to steal some games, which yep. is to a steal a game guy, especially given that the Dolphins with two at quarterback are very clearly a can lose a game you're supposed to win type of team with, you know, the loss to like Urban Meyer in. Can, yeah. yeah. Can we also bring this up? Like there are a lot of teams we talked about one at the beginning here that have bad karma on their side, don't deserve to win and get lucky this year. The dolphins are up there, so if you're here to bet based on karma, um, which based I can't, vibes. I can't endorse. You know, I'm not saying that I would. It's kind of like the zigzag theory of gambling. I can't endorse it, but sometimes I do it. Um, that would be an opportunity uh, for the people. Yeah, I think that there's also like a really good chance. You know, like so there's just like little ticky tack things in the schedule that I don't like about them. Like they face Cincinnati. On in week four on Thursday night football in a situation where like we like the the trend is that rookie head coaches do poorly on Thursday night football early in the season and that's something that you know we've seen before um, and you know I'm not saying Zach Taylor is some genius or whatever but I do think that like there is something to you know um, playing that Thursday night game early the same way like you know, David Cully last year, you know, mm -hmm. even against like Matt rule was in year two and like they got killed on Thursday night football. And like, so there, there are way, there are reasons to sort of like not necessarily black uh, back the fish here. Um, actually, I, the thing is, is it's fade. The fish is what I'm saying. Fade the fins. It, it's just too catchy not to do guys. 
Oh my god, absolutely incredible. Um, the fans. Maybe you could get Jesus Christ to turn a couple of uh, loaves and a couple of fish into uh, to feed all of Miami. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to. I mean, uh, fade the fins. Um, so that that's kind of my. So that was one I wanted to write up. I'm going to write up a few every so often uh, during the course uh, of the season here. I, I'm you know big fans of. Um, you know, uh, the, the weird part is here's a last thing I want to say, cause I think, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about some more futures with inflation, the way it is, right. Mm-hmm. And with cryptocurrency, the way it is, are you, I, I feel like there is some like currency risk in so far as there is some currency risk in so far as, you know, uh, going in the futures market that heavily right now. The season being three months away, um, you know, if you have credit outs, that's great. But like credit outs even have like limits on them as well. So, you know, they're, you know, um, especially if you're going to tail us on the CFL and the USFL coming up here, like you want to have money in your accounts. Like there is a part of these futures bets where, you know, you, you don't necessarily have all the money in the world. Interestingly. I'm glad that we got inflation in here. By the way, happy happy Amazon split week to everybody. Is that what what's that? Uh, Amazon did a 21 to 20 to 1 split and it took effect. Um, oh, I see. Okay. I do have it. Amazon. I was not paying attention. Did that crater the 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 price? No, I mean uh, the market as a whole obviously is kind of not, you know, not doing mm-hmm. great. I expected it I think, I mean, this is not. But a, enough about DraftKings. Yeah, <laughs> en- enough about giving out uh, financial advice. But I, I woke up on Monday and I was just checking, you know, thing the market to see how it was going. And I was like, wait, wait, is what happened to Amazon? Because like all of the um, market, um, you know, a lot of the apps like weren't prepared for the, the split, I guess. And so it said like, you know, the percentage, um, uh, the profit percentage on uh like Amazon was like, you know, thousands of percent. And I was like, wait, this can't be right. And yeah. then I realized that the, the split had taken effect. So um, I think that the belief is that long-term because it went from a stock price, you know, that for the most of last year was like 3000, right? And, you know, very recently was like, what, uh, 200, 2500 or something like that. So now all of a sudden the price is, you know, 120 and now retail investors can come in and, you know, buy full shares yeah. of that stock without uh, having to take out a loan. Gotcha. So. That makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, retail investment investment places have allowed you to buy fractional shares for yes. a while, but like, yeah, but it, it's still like you. Not it, mine though. A, not mine. Uh, TD has not done that. I'm probably gotcha. going to get so shamed that, for using TD, by the way. It's okay. I mean, the the uh, the, the uh, retail in, investment platforms are not exactly, I mean, we want to, we talked about the sports betting space last time, you know, and how, you know, Barstool and, you know, Barstool is screwing over that one employee of Beeson and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we, we also have had in recent memory, uh, the FinTech, the, the, uh, you know, the Robin Hoods of the world, you know, with the, the GameStop thing, uh, that was the Ben Mesrich book I was talking to you about and how they put stops and all this kind of shit like to, you know, that though they have not exactly been above board, uh, over the last few years either. So that's a very good point. That was the, uh, finance section of the podcast we should start talking finance that'd be great yes. by the way if anyone wants a recommendation for a great um account to follow follow liquidity 
uh, on Instagram. Is it Rick Quibbit Quibby? Lit quiddity. So it's like oh, lit, lit quiddity, lit, okay. lit quiddity would, but it's lit. It's I, I think funny. that should have been a show like lit. Quibbity. They have a good podcast as well. Lit quiddity for the like that should yeah. be like a five minute quibby show. Five, five, well, it would be five minutes. We'd have 10 episodes, but they'd only get through the first five minutes. Well, Quibi would wouldn't want five. it because it's probably good. Yeah, exactly. I've come up with more hit shows than Quibi has. This is a fact of the matter. Um, okay, let's talk more props here. Uh, but before we do, a uh, reminder that you can get 25% off at pff.com using promo code forecast. A lot of really cool stuff that is going to be coming your way um, as a PFF subscriber this coming season. That obviously includes all the PFF Select locked article content our fantasy football rankings and projections which is getting an overhaul and it's looking really sick um and of course our betting experience which as well is getting an overhaul from back to front so you'll want to be on the um the front end of getting all that great stuff plus of course data and grades for all of your favorite players and teams so go to pff.com use promo code forecast f-o-r-e-c-a-s-t it's a great gift a great gift to a football lover in your life, or maybe someone that isn't a football lover yet. You have a spouse just a lover or a girlfriend, in your life, possibly. Yeah, exactly. Know, like, just a lover, you know, and make you know share with them what you love. Anyways, let's get into some season long player props. Somebody alerted me to this, which I thought was great. I think it was our friend Josiah Clark, Sharp Clark. He posted this because I, I had not seen them prior to a show, and it was after my CD Lamb thing, where he's like, CD Lamb's eighteen to one to lead the league in receiving, and I'm like, oh. So I look and there are these these markets all over the place. So let's let's start with the the league leader in passing yards prop. Um, I have once won this with a bet on Jameis Winston, you did. Um, which felt really good uh, one year. Um, but right now, let, let me get your take on the top like six guys. Okay. Herbert is eleven to two. Brady is seven to one. Mahomes is nine to one. Stafford's nine to one. Burrow's nine to one. Josh Allen's ten to one, which is interesting, but I think I get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's top six cars, 10 to one. And then Prescott is 12 to one. I love um, one of these. I, I what, absolutely what say you? adore you? one of these. And the one that I adore is Derek Carr. Derek Carr is in the perfect position for, uh, to, to hit here. He has picked up a great receiver, the best receiver in the NFL. In fact, he already had a good receiving core. He now has, I would argue one of the top and I'm, you know, not trying to leave anyone out here, but it's certainly a top five receiving core with Renfro, mm-hmm. Adams, and Waller now healthy. And he is in a division where they are fourth in that division. Um, that is incredible because they are actually a solid team. So he is going to have probably the best team that is going to be trailing. <laughs> and let me not, you know, let me remind you that their defense has great pass rush and not great coverage. So when you think about kind of a setup for success here, as they play against teams with a great passing game, they should be in a position to throw often. Um, And Derek Carr is gonna have a little chip on his shoulder because they have added a lot. He thinks of himself highly and they're fourth in that division. And um, there's, there's gonna be a chip on his shoulder. And guess what? There's gonna be a chip on Devontae Adams' shoulder too. Because yeah. the narrative is, oh, Devontae Adams couldn't do it with with anybody but Aaron Rodgers. And you know Derek Carr's thinking about that. You know Devontae Adams is thinking about that. Oh, and by the way, they picked up a coach with an offensive scheme that should be a hell of a lot um, uh, you know, better than average. So Derek Carr, 10 to 1, that is the bet that I am placing right now. I, I didn't even realize this, but it is 
batshit insane. For one, the running backs for the for the Raiders are terrible. Like I and not I'm not you? saying Josh Jacobs How is a bad dare you is a bad player. It's just like the guys four yards in a cloud of dust. Even the Raiders, you know, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. That sort of shows you what you they just believe. you come across. You have a way of coming across even when you're saying that you like the guy that you just hate him. Right, you, you are just a hater. But but here's some. Hunter Renfro in the regular season caught 103 of 128 targets. That is insane. And so that's like 80.5% catch rate, 8.1 yards per target, which is quite good. Um, He had the nine touchdowns. He had over 1,000 yards. It was a 17-game season. So, you know, 1,000 yards means a little bit less than what it used to. Um, But Carr last season, 4,800 yards was a career high by quite a margin. He, he's only missed two starts in his entire career. Um, yeah, I, I see it. I can see it. I, um, you know, and, and I and I do think this plays into my thought process of them being bad. Um, like, I, I think that they're going to be in shootouts. You look at the rest of the division, the Chargers have probably a good secondary. Chiefs are probably, you know, weaker there than they have been in the past. And the Broncos, I don't think can be better than what they were last year. So, um, I do think that makes sense. It's a good bet, George. I which ones do you, do you like? Um, was was Carr first off one of the bets that you liked initially, and what else? No, what else do you, like? I, you know I. So the Josh Allen one's interesting to me because I think this is basically a product of them being so good that mm-hmm. they're going to be up in games and sort of like the in the mm-hmm. Mahomes style where you know once the Chiefs got good, good Mahomes like stopped leading the league in passing because he didn't have to like throw for 400 yards to put up with a bad defense as much. So that's kind of like where my, my thought process goes for them. Um, but I, you know, the ones that I think could be the thing is Kyler Murray at 20 to one. Hmm. Um, you read our friends at DraftKings. Kyler Murray at 20 to one is one that I think has a shot. Um, and one that's a big time long shot, but I'm going. I I I think I am going to oh, bet it small. This is. Carson Wentz at forty to one. Oh no, that was not the one I was thinking. That's even crazier than the one I was thinking. Carson Wentz. So that you know, you have McLaurin, you have uh, Jahan Dotson, you had Curtis Samuel, you have the the tight end um, Logan Thomas, you have the the running backs out of the backfield. Um, you have a division where. You know, I think every team is better, which means again that your your games against your division foes are going to be harder, um, which means there's going to there's going to be more passing than normal. Um, you know, Wentz is in the past. Like, let me look at uh, Wentz once through for like four thousand yards without a wide receiver having um, any, uh, any any guy having five thousand. His career high is forty. Uh, you know, four thousand thirty nine yards, which is not great. That was the year that none of his receivers had. Um, more than uh none of his receivers had more than 500 did you know by the way that he only had seven interceptions he has four years with exactly seven interceptions but and last year was his fourth um, he's scared. kind of had a weird career that's how scared people are pro football, pro football reference approximate value gave wentz his highest av last year which is again interesting given the narrative of like i think most of us would rather pass a kidney stone than watch him play 17 games this is true um that is a bold take, sir. I'm not even going to address Carson Wentz. Everyone knows how I feel about Carson Wentz. I'm going to give you a couple long shots that I love, though. Um, James Winston, by the way, is 25 to 1. That's not the long shot that I that I most like. Kyler Murray 
I guess is an interesting one. I would, you know, he's going to run too frequently, I think, um, you know, to really have that high of a passing yardage total. But here are a couple. So Trevor Lawrence is 28 to one. That's another team that's going to be down a ton. And he, they have invested a crap ton in those receivers. Now, you could argue that they've overpaid and they absolutely have. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to try and rationalize their overpayment. And Trevor Lawrence had such a crappy set of situation or crappy situation last year with Urban Meyer and that whole disaster. So that's one that, that I like from a, um, a long shot perspective. And here's an even longer one that I like as well. And that is Jared Goff at 50 to 1 for all of the reasons that we talked about previously uh, with the Lions. So those are the ones that I'd, I'd bet right now. Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, and um, our guy, Jared Goff. Our guy, shout Jared out, Goff. Shout okay. out Dave Solfaro. This one is the interesting one to me because I think it's going to be, it's going to be, um, like, I don't see this one coming anywhere. So uh, here's the running back with the most rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor, 5-1. to one. Derek Henry, 11-2. to two. Dalvin Cook, 15 to 2, Nick Chubb, 8 to 1, Najee Harris, 10 to 1, Joe Mixon, 12 to 1, Javante Williams, 14 to 1, Antonio Gibson, 16 to 1. And this is how bad it gets. Elijah Mitchell, 18 to 1, Cam Akers, 18 to 1. Hmm. I don't know if I can advise a bet here. I just, I like Christian McCaffrey, 28 to 1, but like, is he going to stay healthy? Eckler, 25 to 1, maybe, you know, he had a lot of volume last year, but they don't like to run the ball that much. Mm-hmm. Maybe J.K. Dobbins at 25 to 1. Um, you know, Fournette, 40 to 1, but like that's like, you know, he looks like a guard right now. So I don't know. It's tough because what you're really trying to do here is predict the opportunities that they're going to have. Mm hmm. Because you get down to some of these and you go, okay, well, this guy's going to split time. This guy's going to split time. There's no way they give this guy a full workload. There's no way they give this guy a full workload. There's no way they give this guy a full workload. Um, And some of these teams that may give someone a full workload are terrible. Like David Montgomery. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure, but they suck. So it's going to be really hard for him to lead the league in, in rushing yards. One that I think is interesting there's a, there's a few that I that I do think are interesting. Um, Javante Williams at fourteen to one. Um, he's really freaking good. They obviously now have you know he, he was a missed tackle monster in college and he was in the NFL last year. And it's not as if you're looking Melvin Gordon and going oh yeah like they have this guy so they can feed Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. They have an offense that is going to be really appetizing for a running back in that outside zone scheme and they're going to have a quarterback that people are going to focus on so you know if you think about the the makeup of a player that could be given the opportunity it's a young guy there's no reason for them right now to to curtail his touches and they they should be in a lot of competitive games so i like that one quite a bit um at 14 to 1 if i'm going to bet one here i don't like elijah mitchell you know um, I think it's insane that Cam Akers is eighteen to one. Um, you know, is you look Cam at, Akers good? I that's right. the thing I don't get. You look at Zeke Elliott at twenty two to one. It's like, I mean, yeah, I get that they're going to give Zeke the ball, but have you watched Tony Pollard play? Like, you know, come on, man! Like, it's that's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a real challenge. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. This is how crazy this. You know how much how little people know. Like Lamar Jackson is forty to one. 
I'm like, I don't know, you know, like, I think Jonathan Taylor should be the favorite, obviously. Um, Dalvin Cook, like, you know he's going to get injured, so I don't know how uh, much you want to do that. Derrick Henry's coming off an injury. You, you think they're just going to feed him unconsciously? Like, I don't know about mm-hmm. that. So I'm taking a long shot if I'm betting any of these. Yeah. All right, let's move on to receiver. By the way, uh, Cooper Cup just got an extension that's going to pay him $110 million over the next five Good years. Good for him. Good for him. He is currently 7-1 to one to lead the league in receiving. Uh, Justin Jefferson, eight to one. Travis Kelsey, a tight end, is twelve to one. Jamar Chase, twelve to one. Devontae Adams, twelve to one. Tyreek Hill, fourteen to one. Stephon Diggs, fourteen to one. Debo Samuel, sixteen to one. Ceedee Lamb, the aforementioned, eighteen to one. Mark Andrews, a tight end, is tied with Mike Evans and AJ Brown at twenty to one. Um, which ones of those top guys do you like? Can I just say I think it's fraudulent that Ceedee Lamb has. Uh, longer odds than Debo Samuel. Like, I think yeah. that's. I think that's like, if I if I were running a, a trading desk and I saw that, I would I would fire not fire, but I would severe. I would very much question the person's uh, uh, hypothesis on that. I mean, I like first off, Debo Samuel is not the number one pass catching option on his team. In, <laughs> on in a, a team world, he is not no. right on a team that has a quarterback who could be only a runner or not only a runner, but like could be predominantly a runner um, on a team that runs the ball like versus CD lamb, who is 1000% the number one target on a team that's going to throw a lot on a team with a quarterback that, you know what you're going to get like I, bananas to me. And so, I mean, obviously I, the CD lamb won at 18 to one, I think is a no brainer. Um, that's, that's a thousand percent. The one that I would go with, um, you, you look at, down the list and i think that the interesting one to me as i as i move down the list is amari cooper 35 to 1 and i think this goes along with our hypothesis at the beginning like this could be baker mayfield for a while um they don't have any other options there but stefanski's offense i have confidence and here's the thing amari cooper Look, everyone's going to go, There's if Baker Mayfield plays, there's no way he and Amari Cooper click because he and Odell Beckham didn't click. They are different types of route runners. And Amari Cooper's pinpointedness in the way that he gets to spots and runs routes, I think could be a could be something that Baker Mayfield figures out how to use. And so, you know, at 35 to 1, they obviously are, you know, interested in him having a good year based on the, the move that they made for him. So I think that's the that's the one down the list that I'd be interested in. Um, uh, are there any long shots that interest you? Uh, man, it might be something like it might it might be something like you know T Higgins thirty five to one. You know, just because I think that passing offense will be good, mm-hmm. um, and it might just be him instead of Chase, or Chase might have a you know sophomore slump or something like that. Um, you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, I think are going to split things up too much. Um, and that, and I think that they're, the Chargers are going to be ahead a little bit more than normal. So like, I think it's going to be less volume for them. Um, Mooney is the only guy that folks are throwing to in Chicago at 40 to one that could, that could have some legs, but no, I think it's lamb for me. Um, and then from there, like any other favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from there, like Kelsey is always a always a threat, and you don't have Tyreek anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that could be one. You know, people are going to double team Kelsey. I just don't. 
I think it's hard to double team a tight end. So, you know, if, if the yeah. Chiefs like sort of get into a rut like they did last year on offense, then there's a chance possibly that they, you know, they go ahead, um, you know, and, and play, uh, you know, they play it through Kelsey and he gets so many yards yeah. just by, by volume alone, especially considering the Chiefs aren't going to be as good this year, right? Like that, that's, you know, baked into, I think, to the, to the analysis there is that they're not going to be quite as good as they're normal used to. Yeah, that's a really good point. One of the ones that I was thinking about, just because it's correlated certainly with the bet that we talked about with quarterbacks, is Devontae Adams twelve to one. Um, I mean, what would what would Adams' odds be here if he were still on the Packers? Uh probably favorite. That's that was kind of my thought too. Is yeah, that I really? Yeah, I mean, he'd be seven to one or so. I. Is that cups fair? the cups the honest to God? Like if you think about seven to one means a twelve and a half percent chance that he's going to have the season he had last year. Like I actually don't think that those are that's a terrible percentage. It's just like in these markets, if you're going to bet favorites, uh, you're you're giving up some value all the time, you know. So mm-hmm. that that's you know um, even Jefferson. So eight to one, you know that that's one over nine, right? So it's eleven percent. I mean, Jefferson gets open sort of in every single way, shape, or form. I mm-hmm. think the the concern that I would have if I were betting Jefferson in this market is, you know, is, you know, the Vikings have a weaker record than they did or weaker schedule than they did last year. If they're actually a good team, I don't think it's because Jefferson's a league leading receiver. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think yeah. it's because I think it's because they have a weaker schedule and they so like take from this how you got how everybody wants it, but like if you look at Take Stephon Diggs, right? The Vikings' previous best receiver. Um, you know, t- 2018, he got 149 targets in a year they went 8-7-1 and one and struggled as an offense. In 2019, where they were better, he had 94 targets. And that was because they ran the football and they got, you know, de- and he averaged eight more yards per catch. So then it ended up he had more yards. But like I, you know, if, if I'm the Vikings and I look, you know, I look at his, I, I asked the question, like how much of Jefferson's like otherworldly record setting numbers in the first two years of a career are because the Vikings were 15 and 18 as a team and they needed to just drop back and heave the ball to the guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I tend to agree with that. The problem that I also have, um, look, I just don't think either of the, the favorites are great are great value for a lot of reasons that you just illustrated, which is the Vikings and Rams having really good seasons. I'm not sure it, it has to point in the direction of those guys blowing up, right? Like people are going to pay both those guys a ton of attention. I could see other members of that team, especially because you think about, you know, the coaches that they have there, they should be able to spread the spread the wealth around. So if I'm going to bet any of the guys that are, lower than 20 to one like Adams I think for the same reasons that you'd bet car 10 to one makes a ton of sense there that is our podcast do you have any um recommendations for the people today uh um I actually like I'm gonna uh, pimp another podcast in our network I uh I I really did think that the unexpected points with Kevin Cole last you know yesterday with with Josh Hermsmeyer was great Josh has been a frequent guest on our show and he's been wonderful you know, sort of every time that that he's been on, um, I thought they 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 went through and each of them gave five kind of like, hey, here are hot takes about the NFL. Um, I thought they did. I thought they did a good job. I, it was fun. I 
I've been running more now and like I hate running, but like that was it somewhat made it enjoyable. Um, you call that running? You didn't see you didn't see it. I've seen you run before. <laughs> but no, I had to get that one in. George um, George George forgets that I was an all conference track athlete in high school. It's this really very state, right? It's amazing that I that I've managed to forget that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but kudos to you for uh for trying to run a little bit. Um, and that podcast is on, I've seen a couple of clips now cause they're out on Twitter. It is on my to-do list to listen to. Cause anytime Josh Hermsmeyer gets on the mic, you need to listen. I have, yep. um, a couple of recommendations from my, uh, weekend spent in San Diego, um, for people that are there. These are all food recommendations. Um, I'll go in order of how I would recommend them. Um, there, um, oh man, and now I'm forgetting the name. So I'll, I'll give two the names I, I remember, and then I'll give a couple more on Sunday here. Um, a place in La Jolla called Himitsu. Um, really, really fantastic sushi. Um, I enjoyed my every part of the meal that I had there, including the dessert, which was really, really, really good. Um, could not recommend it uh, more. And then a place that is in, um, I think it's technically in Cardiff, which is a little further north. It's like right by Encinitas. A place called Waverly was fantastic as well. Everything I had there was delightful. So those are two places if you're in um, San Diego. I've, I've um, mentioned a couple of places there that are more in downtown previously. These two are a little more in the suburbs. So both of those are fantastic. And I'll have two more for everybody uh, on Sunday because I just need to remember what the names are a poke shop in um, in like Pacific Beach that was fantastic. And then um, kind of like a sandwich breakfast place in Encinitas uh, for you guys. So um, if you're in Southern California. For a couple, couple more fed. for the fellas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was our podcast. We'll be back on Sunday. We love y'all. Peace.